remember when I had a voice but didn't use it They were singing to me but I ignored my muses I finally found silence and I started listening And out of body experience what I was witnessing Welcome to the Gunny's Guys Podcast Powered by More Benefit Resources The show that shares the stories of veteran entrepreneurs and resources That will help inspire and guide your own personal journey and transition from the military Everyone needs a gunny even on the other side of the DD214. I'm here to be that mentor behind the microphone. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, how you doing? Uh, welcome to another episode of Gunny's Guys. I am your host, Pat Moore, Gunny Moore. And excited to introduce you to Phil Baker today. Phil is a pharmacist out of Tennessee. He had a short-lived Marine Corps career, and it'll definitely be an interesting uh, story to hear. But I know he can relate with a lot of guys who had their Marine Corps career cut short. Um, And so, you know, it's just a treat to listen to him. He's a stand-up dude, uh, very, very inspired by his faith. And uh, just a guy that you hear talk, you hear his story, you're just going to be a little bit different after listening to it. You're not necessarily going to be able to be the same person you were uh, prior, prior to engaging this man. Um, again, I got to listen to him and, and rap with him on a professional level. We knew each other from my non-Marine Corps world of, of healthcare and employee benefits, which someday we'll get into hopefully a little bit more because healthcare is a racket. Um, but, uh, you know, rapping about his Marine Corps time and then also just getting to know him on a personal level as a dad and as a guy trying to make a difference in this crazy world. So without further ado, excited for you guys to meet him and uh, stay tuned. Get ready to rock. Welcome to an episode of Gunny's Guys. We're, uh, we're super excited to... Uh, have this conversation today. Today, we are going to be talking with Phil Baker. Phil is a guy that I've met on the the business side of things and had no idea that he was a United States Marine until recently. Um, And so wanted to connect with him, hear his story. I've since learned a lot about him and I'm super excited to talk about it. Um, Here with uh, my co-host, Warren Officer 3, Jason Satiroff. and uh, we're, we're excited to meet you today, buddy. It's a, I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. So um, I'd like to start with just wondering uh, why you joined this thing called the United States Marine Corps. What, what's your story? How'd you get on the Yellow Foot Press? Man, I grew up in the Marine Corps. My dad was a, a, a warrant officer, CW04. Um, which is as high as you could go. Then the five came out after he retired and he was pissed off about that. He is pissed off about that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I grew up, my dad, uh, he retired uh, about the time I finished high school. So pretty much my whole life in the Marines. Grew up on, we traveled quite a bit, you know, two and three year tours, but we were in Japan more than any other place. Uh, we did three tours there at Iwakuni, um, and I went to school uh, on the at the DOD school right there on base, um, MC Perry School, and uh, 
kind of feel like I grew up on that base. <laughs> you know, even though we moved, we'd moved to the States for a year, but we would go back to Iwakuni for three. Um, while we lived there, my parents adopted two uh, Japanese little girls that are my sisters uh, and uh, both actually work with me, work for me, work with me today. Um, and that was kind of going into the Marine Corps was dad never laid a burden on on me or my brother to do that but he did <laughs> he did let us know that every uh, male in our family in history had done a tour in the service <laughs> in some branch of the service or another um he did encourage it and and so i went i joined the delayed entry program i did you know the summer before my senior year uh the every drilled every month during my senior year. Uh, I left for boot camp the day after I graduated high school and uh, graduated boot camp as an E3. My dad had been an air traffic controller, and so I wanted to be an air traffic controller too. And so uh, did, did uh, you know, boot camp, then combat training, and then got stationed right back at home in Memphis, Tennessee for air traffic control school. Um, which was, I want to say it was about a year long. Um, by the time I finished all my training, they decided to move my unit to Dallas. And so I'd been on active duty, you know, for quite some time at that point. Uh, I finally was ready to become a regular reservist and there wasn't a unit to drill at. And so they gave me the option to go active duty or to go into inactive reserves. And I wanted to go to college. That's why I went in the reserves was to go to college. I didn't, I didn't want to go active. And so I ended up in the inactive reserves right after I completed all that schooling. And that was, and that was my career in the Marine Corps. <laughs> very, no very brief, essentially. Yeah. No kidding. They, so they just put you straight into inactive at that point? Straight into inactive. Yeah. They promised, uh, they promised me my GI Bill and said, you go active duty, you go IRR. Um, and then when I got to college, I ended up not getting my GI Bill. Yeah. <laughs> no um, other thing. Like but, everything uh, a recruiter says is a guaranteed <laughs> yeah, lie. Yeah. 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 When I got to college, I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. I knew I wanted to do a profession, law or medicine or something. Um, but once I was, I was probably a year in uh, and knew I wanted to do pharmacy. And there wasn't a route to do pharmacy in the Marines, as you guys know. Um, <laughs> well, the truth is, I grew up in a Marine Corps household, so the Navy wasn't an option <laughs> at all to, to, right, and, right. to like, yeah, join they, the Navy and go pharmacy. It just wasn't, wasn't an option. So um, yeah, that's the woman's department. <laughs> um, praise God for Navy doctors. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but it wasn't an option for me so that kind of yeah that ended it for me that, that ended my marine corps career wow that's what crazy. do you keep in touch with anybody are you are you like uh i've got i've got a couple of guys on facebook that i keep up with on facebook a guy that from air traffic control school and another from boot camp and air traffic control because of of your father it seems like the marine corps because of uh, a lot of family history and 
uh, and not no pressure, but uh, everybody else <clears throat> joined. So I uh, so we'll see you there too, I guess. But uh, the the medical field, like the spe the specificity of a pharmacy, where where did that come from? That came from I got to college, and like I said, I was trying to keep an open mind. I knew I knew from the Marine Corps. It's kind of the, the best and biggest learning from the Marines was that uh, that I barely graduated high school. I graduated with a D average of 1.8. I did not think I was very smart. And the, but after eating dirt <laughs> for quite some time, I realized nobody could outwork me that I could. I don't have you don't have to be super smart. You just have to be persistent. Um, and the smart comes along later. So that was that set had me set my sights on on college and on a profession i wanted to you know really have something that would carry through regardless of what the markets do like you know like law or medicine or a profession um once i got to school i shadowed some doctors and i realized that it wasn't uh that it's a lifestyle it's not just a job like those guys work 30-hour shifts they're always on call if they miss a call, it could be, you know, somebody could die. And I knew really early on that I wanted to have a family and that lifestyle wasn't going to work for me. So then I kind of started shopping. I did dentistry and, and I, I landed on pharmacy and um, pharmacists at the time were working like three, 14 hour shifts a week. You know what I mean? Like it was long days, but they were spread out and um, and the pay was, was pretty good and it looked like a lifestyle that I might enjoy. And so, um, I volunteered at a VA pharmacy in Murfreesboro, and then I got a job at a, at a retail pharmacy and worked as a technician and started doing my prereqs for pharmacy school. And I got into pharmacy school before I finished my bachelor's degree. There was only 10 of us, I think out of a hundred in that class that got in. And I know I got in because I'd been in the Marines. I know that's, I mean, they told me that's why. It wasn't, uh, I was a little bit, because of that time in the Marines, you know, I was a little bit late. I didn't start school at 18, you know, I didn't start till I was 21 or 22. But um, from there, I went to, to pharmacy school here in Memphis, Tennessee. And then I went to work for a retail chain uh, for, was, was, I worked for the same chain all through pharmacy school, which was five years. And then, for six years after, um, I learned how to run a store. I got my own store as soon as I graduated, um, brand new uh, pharmacy that I uh, pretty much opened and then grew very, very quickly to a business that was overwhelming. Um, and essentially at the end of that, I was just really burned out. I didn't wanna do retail anymore, the quotas the long days, um, always being told to do more with less. Um, it didn't, there was no time for patient interaction, which is what I really loved about being a pharmacist was spending time with people and talking to them and actually affecting their lives. Um, so I, I left that to uh, go run a small hospital pharmacy for a rehabilitation hospital here in town. And I did that for three years and saw the ins and outs of that and how insurance complicates things there. And um, <laughs> was a little dejected in what I saw there as well. 
Um, while I was in that job, uh, I started doing a, a diabetes training class, uh, an educational class for newly diagnosed diabetics. And in that class, I would tell the students, you know, bring in all your prescriptions. You're going to get to sit here with a pharmacist for as long as it takes to answer all of your questions about all your medicines. And in that process, you end up finding a lot of stuff that they don't need to even have in the house that they just hold on to. You'll find, you know, the same drug being prescribed twice, just all kinds of problems. That service kind of caught on outside the class and somebody told, it, it became a personal ministry to where on the weekends I was going to grandma's house and sitting down with her and reviewing her meds and spending an hour just getting the medicine cabinet straight, getting all the meds down to a final list of what they really are and should be taking and then communicating that back to the doctors just to, you know, cause things would need to be changed and discontinued and whatnot. And um, that was just something I did in my personal time that I considered a personal ministry. In 2013, the Lord called me to start a nonprofit to do just that, to just focus on medication management is what that's called. And um, that was Good Shepherd Pharmacy. Um, started in 2013, uh, we raised money for a couple of years and won a couple of grants. And in 2015, we opened a full-fledged pharmacy. Um, we uh, got free space in a local mall that was pretty much abandoned in an old space that was a Bed Bath & Body Works. Um, we had free rent for the first year. We won a $25,000 grant from a local foundation um, to kind of build out the pharmacy. Uh, and in September of 2015, we opened up Good Shepherd Pharmacy. Uh, when we opened, we had about 250 drugs that we got through manufacturer donations, which we could dispense for free to people who were uninsured and low income. And so um, that was great. 250 drugs is awesome, but we didn't have everything. Like we had a, we had a lot, but we didn't have everything that a person would need. And we didn't have a way to help people with insurance. Those meds could only go to uninsured patients. And so um, really quickly, we got inundated with patients who were hitting the Medicare donut hole, who had had insurance and then hit the donut hole, and now they're exposed to the full price of their prescriptions. And I had to figure out, like, how do I help these people? The result of that was a simple membership pharmacy, where the patients pay us a monthly membership fee. In exchange, they get all of their prescriptions at cost. Um, and that's the pharmacy's cost, what it costs me to order them. Um, the, the cost is that that difference, like I say that and people think, well, I bet that's cheaper, but it's like way cheaper than people realize. So I like to use the example of a drug called Plavix, Clopidogrel. It's a blood thinner. It's really commonly prescribed in the country. 30 of those will run you anywhere from 50 to $250, depending on what pharmacy you go to on what day. But the pharmacy's cost on that is a dollar. So we were selling drugs at the pharmacy's cost and we were taking people from 50 or 250 to a dollar. Um, we kind of hit it, well, we didn't kind of, we hit on just a market that we hit on, what we ultimately created was a completely different business model for pharmacy that allows you to be completely transparent about what the drugs really cost, no markup on the prescriptions and make you know all of your revenue through a fee. So 
we grew, we opened in September of 2015. We, we still have the free meds for those who qualify. We have at cost meds for everybody else. Um, people could have insurance, we just didn't bill it. So you can, they, they have Medicare, we just wouldn't bill them Medicare, we just bill them the cost of the meds and the membership fee. And we grew to about 1000 patients in about 18 months. Um, when we got to 1000 patients, uh, we did something that no pharmacy's ever done before that I'm aware of. And that is we took all 1000 of those patients and all 5000 of their prescriptions and synchronize them so they're all due on the same day, four times a year. So that our pharmacy operates under a set schedule, the entire pharmacy. Um, medication synchronization on a single patient has been around. You got one patient on, on 10 meds and you synchronize those so they're all filled at the same time. That's been around for a long time. We took a thousand patients and did them all to the same day. Um, that process is called group synchronization and it's kind of our, our secret sauce. Our pharmacy, because we do group synchronization, operates under a different business model. Instead of having to maintain a big expensive inventory like pharmacies do, because you never know who's gonna walk in off the street and what they're gonna want, we know when everything is due. So we have a JIT model for our inventory. We order everything in a day and we ship it, You know. Ideally, we ship it the very next day. We're not trying to keep it on the shelves. Um, that frees up cash to spend on other things. Um, fulfillment happens in you know, a fixed amount of time, so we can staff up and do the filling once a quarter when it happens. But then when we staff down, things are pretty quiet, and that allows us to engage the patient, do medication reviews, look for drug interactions, call doctors to really really pro provide a concierge level of service to the patients that keeps their prescriptions on that set schedule. So the meds are shipped four times a year. If there's a new prescription that pops up between the ship dates, we send, we never send a 30 day fill. We always send just enough medicine to last until the next ship date it might be 63 pills or 42 or whatever that number is. And then everything goes back out again on the next scheduled ship date. Um, by doing that, we also know how many pills every patient should have in their bottle on any given day, because everything's on the same schedule. So for adherence, we can really like literally have them count it, count it down and know really to a close degree. Again, medication management, pushing the boundaries on just, you know, what we can really, what kind of programs and how far we can, we can reach with these things. Um, all of that was formed through Good Shepherd nonprofit charity pharmacy. Got to a thousand patients, we synchronized them. Uh, we've been managing them, that, that group since 2017. So we've done three years of quarterly batches at this point, refining our method every step of the way. And we've built a system that is a 12 week system that we operate under that's just super efficient and super, super safe. It ultimately it allows one pharmacist and two technicians to manage a very large group of patients. Um, Bill, I, um, I, like that story is amazing. Mm -hmm. What I know in the background is also uh, what you're able to do on insulin prices. Yeah. Can, you, can you walk through that? I think that's something that a lot of people can relate. Like my father's on insulin, uh, my father-in-law's on insulin. Lots of people have diabetic problems. It's probably the number one yeah. thing as a benefit consultant. I get asked from yeah. random people that I can't really help most of the time. Yeah. Uh, 
talk me through that. I'm well, the, yeah, the insulin program is, is a program that we administer with Eli Lilly. We have all of their insulins, which is to say, no matter what insulin a person takes, we have an option we can switch them to that we would have on our plan. Um, the Eli Lilly has the, the, the requirements that they have to have an income of less than three times the federal poverty level, which is higher than you usually see. Usually it's two times the federal poverty level. It's a pretty high level. And they have to have no prescription insurance for insulin. Um, either they have none at all or the plan doesn't cover it. If they meet those requirements, then we get them enrolled. We charge $25 a month, whether they get one vial of insulin or 50. It's, a, it's an insulin program, you know, support program. So it's $25 a month for the insulin program. We work with their physician to synchronize to the set dates. We send 90 days worth of all the insulin, needles, strips, everything they're gonna need at a time. Um, the, 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 the supplies we sell at cost, the strips and the meters we sell at cost, which is dirt cheap. It's like, it's very inexpensive compared to what you'd see it anywhere else. I think it's $5 for 50 strips and $5 for a meter. It's, it's really low. Um, if, the, if, the, if the patient would want a different meter, then we could get that as well. And we just sell them that at cost. Um, but that hasn't happened yet. Pretty much they always use the one that we recommend. And, and that's how it works. We, the patients are enrolled uh, just by giving us a call. We, they have to sign an attestation form um, as to their income and their insurance status. We then work with their physician to get a prescription sent over. Um, if they have an active prescription, we can call their pharmacy where they've been getting it filled and transfer it over. And we get them set up and we, we take it from there. Bill, can you go back to the efficiency portion? You were, uh, you were, I knew you were gonna I'm sorry. Yeah, yes. I, I, I was going to call this the warrant officer. Uh, <laughs> right, right. But the, the efficiency of the three personnel and how you can handle that and what and what the repercussions have been there, uh, positive or otherwise. The okay, so the group synchronization, if you you have to know that the way pharmacies are built today, they're built to do 30-day fills. They want to do a 30-day fill, they make more money because they get a dispensing fee on every fill. The PBM gets a transaction fee on every fill. And the system is just incentivized to do a 30-day fill. So what we're doing is concentrating. We're not billing claim. We're not incentivized to do that at all. We want to do as few fills as possible per quarter. Uh, you don't want to do more than a quarter for adherence purposes. And you don't want the doctor to, doctors don't want to prescribe more than 90 days worth of anything. So that's kind of how you land on a quarter. But you want to, we want to be as efficient as possible. And so we built our pharmacy around that. Um, we don't make anything on claims or dispensing fees. Um, and so the incentive is to keep them to do as, as, to be as efficient as possible, to do only the fills that need to be done that way. What that boils down to is uh, we can fill, it, it ended up cutting our overhead by two thirds because we're doing one third of the number of prescriptions. Whereas a normal pharmacy in the 90, let's say you do 300 per month um, of 30 day fills, in three months you would do 900 total. We synchronize them. So they go from 900 to 300 total per quarter. I love it. 
So, so what that means is that that affects your labor because your labor costs come down. You concentrate right. them and, and you bring them down. You can do all of the purchasing of the meds at the same time. The bigger the purchase, the bigger the discount. So you get better prices on the meds, which we're selling at cost already, but we're able to drive prices below cost with these discounts. Um, and there's a couple of things. And you increase the level of consultation and the in-between times, right? You were talking about that. Yeah, and you that, should. Is that, is, yeah. is that temp labor that you bring in on those quarterly deliveries? Oh no, I, that's um. We have a partnership with two different colleges of pharmacy, and so in any given month, we'll have four or six uh, fourth-year pharmacy interns interning here, and um, we staff up the quarter, the month that is the batch, which happens to be this month. We call it the batch. Um, so we have four students here this month, right now. And um, they help with the fulfillment. And as long as they're being supervised, they can do some of the verification as well. Um, and the schools pay us to take the students. Oh. Hmm. So 2013, you started Good Shepherd Pharmacy, right? I started the nonprofit, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, when I started it, I didn't plan on opening a pharmacy at all. I thought it would just be a service, this weekend ministry, we would go to people's houses. Okay. Um, so, I, so I started, that was the call. And then really quickly thereafter, like the, the Lord took it, man. And I had an organization contact me and they said, we've been trying to open a charity pharmacy in Memphis for a bunch of years. If you open the pharmacy, we can provide you with these 250 free meds. Um, that organization is called the Dispensary of Hope. And um, while I didn't really want to open a pharmacy, I wanted this to be different. I couldn't, I prayed about it. And of course, God wanted us to give away medicine for free. Like that made perfect sense. Um, so then we decided we are going to build the pharmacy. Where are we going to have it? The University of Memphis, um, they have a master's degree program that's nonprofit administration. Their, their class took our nonprofit and made it like their class project for the semester. And they may have a fundraising plan and a a fundraising event and just all this helpful information. Um, and then we found the location that was rent-free for the first year. So it took a, a couple of years. Uh, I started it in July of 13 and we opened the pharmacy in September of 15. Um, but, it, but it was just milestone after milestone, just the Lord providing each step of the way. And so there were probably no problems at all. You never had any any issues come up? It was just smooth sailing from the second you opened your doors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not true. That's no, not. No, we. Uh, yeah, I could go on and on, man. It's been it's been hard. It's been real hard. We didn't have a big chunk of money in the bank when we started the pharmacy, and we didn't have any revenue because we didn't we weren't open, and so. Um, the Lord called me to start, like quit my job in July of 2015. And I was, I built the pharmacy out with a lots of help for a couple of months and we opened in September, but I didn't have six months worth of savings put aside when that happened. I didn't know what was going to happen. And, uh, and it's been hard. We, it's been really hard, but the Lord has provided every step of the way. Like I didn't get a salary out of the business for, I don't think for over a year, my church took on my family's expenses and they, they took care of us um, for about nine months um, until I was able to draw something off the business. Um, 
and just not having any money to hire anybody, you're left to do everything yourself. That being said, and I say this all the time, like everything cool and innovative that we're, that we're known for, that we're doing now, came from being broke. It all came from being broke. Group synchronization came from being broke because we, we had a thousand patients and one pharmacist and how, how are we gonna handle all these patients? We can, let's reduce our fills from 3,000 to 1,000. Well, that makes sense. Um, pulling that off was another thing. That was incredibly hard. System, that's a whole other story. But it was just, you know, getting more and more and more efficient, getting more and more and more efficient all the time. One step, of the, one step, <laughs> one step at a time. I didn't have like, we're into so many different things now. Like there's Good Shepherd Pharmacy and there's these other businesses. Um, I tell people all the time, like I didn't have some great vision for this, all these things I wanted to do. The Lord just called me to do one thing and then the next. And then this opportunity led to that. And it's just been a day-to-day -day thing. And now five years in, I stand back and look and it's like, it's incredible but it's not me. <laughs> I just show up every day and try to do the one most important thing that I can do that day. It's all, it's all him. I have 1 million questions. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Phil, when did you meet Jesus? Not, not until I was 35 years old. Yeah. And that was kind of late. It was after a divorce and floundering for so just a, you know, as you can imagine, pretty low spell. I met him in brokenness. Um, I was 35 years old. Uh, but got saved, started going to church, started volunteering, um, became a member of a church, went on a mission trip met the woman of my dreams on the mission trip, who's my wife now, and we have all these kids. Um, and two years after that, started Good Shepherd Pharmacy, and it's just been really, it's the, that was the roller coaster, it was like salvation, and then it all kind of picked up from there. No kidding. So do you think Good Shepherd Pharmacy ever happens if you didn't, didn't, you know, no. turn your life over? No way. No. No. What do you take from the Marine Corps on a daily basis? I'm curious how, how much that still lingers in your head or how, how you connect to that. The, the, my gut answer is confidence. Um, and I feel like I got that more with my own personal experience with the Marine Corps going through boot camp. And, um, and ATC school was really hard, actually. It was, it was difficult. Um, and again, I wasn't very smart. I'm not, um, but the confidence piece and. What was your GT score, Phil? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. I'll find it. <laughs> You'll find it. <laughs> no, I hear you. I, um, I love that part of the story where you said, like, you don't think you're getting into pharmacy school if it wasn't for the Marine Corps. And I like even in business today, I will say a thousand smart things that I know people don't listen to. But the second I say Marine Corps, like, oh, Marine Corps, I like that. Let's talk about mm -hmm. that. It's, yeah. it's amazing the, the door openers that it, it brings you. Yeah.
Bill, have you have you received any negative attention for the transparency of your offering for the I mean, I, I know it's a non for profit, so perhaps the for profits are not as interested in what you're doing. But have you received any uh, flack for exposing the cost of pharmaceutical drugs, uh, any of the above? Not yet. I do. People say that, you know, that Walgreens is going to take you down or something like that. Um, I haven't got any flack. We haven't gotten any flack at all, but we've been kind of flying under the radar. We, for our first five years, we were only licensed in Tennessee. So we were just serving, you know, patients here. Uh, last year, we got some money and we enough money to get licensed in 35 states. We're currently licensed in 22 on the way to 35. We'll be at 35 by the end of the year. And so it's really just now we're ramping it up to to make it like a, a full-blown assistance program, ultimately a national one. Man, that's incredible. Is anyone else modeling it yet? Have your non-for-profit uh, that you lean on or, or communicate with the others? I haven't, I haven't found another membership pharmacy. Um, and I'm looking all the time. There's a, there's a lot of innovation happening in pharmacy right now. A lot of cool stuff. Um, but I haven't found another membership model pharmacy, um, that is a nonprofit. I have, there is one membership pharmacy that's a for-profit out of Austin, Texas, where they charge a membership fee, but then the drugs are discounted. They're not at cost. Um, but that's as close as anybody's come yet. The, the goal with Good Shepherd is to, to create a model that is not a, a huge mail order pharmacy. It's a model that'll, that says that one pharmacy can handle 5,000 patients. One pharmacy with two pharmacists and six technicians that cost X amount can handle 5,000 patients who pay a $10 a month membership fee and everything works out financially. Um, that's what we're trying to, to create here. And so with the group synchronization and the systemization, we're essentially creating, you know, we basically a turnkey solution to open a pharmacy in any in any location. Um, I'm working right now with pharmacists in four different cities, uh, going through a, like creating like a summer program to show them how to do it and how we do it, um, so that we can you know try to try to open up locations in more more spots. You are the most peaceful, God-fearing disruptor I've <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, let me tell you the, the benefits piece. Let me tell you how Halo Scripts comes into this sure. and how we ended up working with, because um, it's just the evolution of, of Good Shepherd. So Good Shepherd, group synchronization, we're doing our uninsured folks. We, we had a, we've had anywhere from 900 to 500, it fluctuates at any given point. Um, I had a friend who had a big business and I said, let me look at your pharmacy data. Like, let me look at two years worth of your claims and just price everything out at my prices and just see what's going on there. Cause I didn't, you know, I didn't know. And so did that, we crunched the numbers for, we actually crunched the numbers for like 18 months um, before we figured, not to say figured out, but developed a way to actually price out the coin claims quickly now so that we can look and see what the effect of group synchronization would do. 
So what I found in, in, in that review was that he was paying, you know, obviously a ton on his meds, but also in uh, PBM fees and in dispensing fees. Um, and the prescriptions, like 95% of them were being done as 30-day fills. As I described before, like the whole system is incentivized to do 30-day fills. Well, one fill for this guy was an $8 transaction fee and a $1 dispensing fee. So you may have got a great price on that aspirin for 16 cents instead of 30, but you're going to pay a $9 in fees to run that claim. And the employer pays that. And so long story short, we said, what would happen if we synchronize these patients and how much savings would be produced if we did that? And we started a study in conjunction with the Community Pharmacy Foundation, the biggest in the country, um, that's still ongoing, where we were processing their claims and calculating what the savings would be. And it turns out the savings is phenomenal. And that business, that study, resulted in us forming Halo Scripts, which is a for-profit pharmacy, has nothing to do with nonprofit or donated meds or anything like that. Halo Scripts is a for-profit pharmacy administrator that says to an employer, we're going to come in and synchronize all of your employees' prescriptions. I say all, it's the recurring stuff, obviously the stuff that's being refilled, the recurring meds. We don't do controlled substances, we don't do narcotics, those need to be filled locally. Um, we don't come in and say we're going to be your new PBM. We come in and say we work on top of the PBM. Um, and we tell the employer we're going to synchronize these. When we do that, the bulk of your spend is going to hit every 90 days. We're going to tell you we need X amount to fulfill the next 90 days worth. We're going to charge you Y fee to do that. And um, in so doing, we're going to save you like 35% off your top line spend on your pharmacy. Um, we, it's group synchronization just implied to an employer group. And so that's, that's Halo Scripts. We started last March with uh, in a, a company out of Baltimore and Accenture subsidiary and spent the whole first year, the first nine months rather, focusing on onboarding patients, um, the open enrollment process, marketing materials and explainer video uh, we had to recruit these patients through email, through email videos. And so um, piecing together a, a really excellent customer experience for when we, we sign on a new group. Um, through the course of that nine months, we had 20 different testimonials from these patients where they'd sent the CEO or the head of HR a thank you for Halo Scripts and the service that we're providing them. The employees pay no copays. So the incentive is, uh, you don't have to do this program if you don't want to, but if you do, there's no co-pays and um, all of your meds are going to show up on a set schedule. Um, Halo Scripts becomes the company's pharmacy. So we may fill prescriptions for you through our program, but we may also transfer them to Walgreens around the corner. It's whatever the patient needs. So when we onboard them, we make that clear, like we're your first point of contact for any pharmacy question whatsoever. Um, and we've been successful in really making that relationship work. Patients love it. They call us first. We direct the prescriptions either into our own pharmacy or to whatever is the best plan to have them filled. Um, and so that's, that's, that's the halo scripts and kind of where we're at. That first customer now, um, the brokerage that brought us that first customer, well, I'll tell you, we saved them on 100 patients 
through nine months, we saved them over $200,000 um, on 100, say 100 patients, 100 households. Um, and we're, we're doubling that now. Uh, the brokerage that bought us brought us that customer is bringing us all of their customers. So we're onboarding eight new customers this quarter. We really have our pipeline full of, um, as full as we want it at the moment <laughs> with, with new customers. Um, but doing something that's not being done anywhere else. Uh, all the prescriptions are sold at the true cost with no markup whatsoever. And we have the best pharmacy prices, you know, the pharmacy prices that you can get in the country. And 100% um, transparency uh, to the whole pharmacy process. Are you including in, uh, in your consultation to create the efficiencies? Are you also encouraging uh, that same level of consultation for the pharmacy's uh, clientele as you would with Good Shepherd? Or is yeah, that part of the program? It's the same service, yeah. Okay. It's, uh, and the service is really being that first point of contact for the patient. And the, what that means, what we do on the back end, you know, these patients see four, five, six different doctors. They take eight or more prescriptions. There's a lot of work that goes into coordinating, keeping everything on the same schedule, talking to this doctor, getting this prescription approved through that doctor. It's, it's a lot more than people realize. And what usually happens is all of that, I mean, take that and compound it with, with also a sick husband or a sick kid, one person in the household is usually left to manage all of it. And it can be absolutely overwhelming. So we come along and say, all you gotta do is text us. You tell us where you want the prescription. If you want us to mail it, we'll mail it. If you wanna pick it up at Walgreens, we'll transfer it to Walgreens and we'll have it ready for you. If you want it delivered, we'll transfer it to Walgreens and we'll have FedEx pick it up and deliver it to your house. We're here for your, your first main point of contact. By doing that, um, we're able to maximize the plan benefits. So the, the plan that we're working with has so many benefits. They have assistance programs available. They have international pharmacy. Um, they had a, a, a mail order service, uh, but the employees don't ever participate in the, in the programs because the programs have like stupid enrollment, like three or four page enrollments that they ask. And they say, tell the doctors to send us brand new prescriptions in a certified mail. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, they're not that bad, but there's so many hoops to jump through. They make it so difficult that people don't, don't participate. Well, as their pharmacy, we can fill out that application form for them. We can call the doctor for them and get the prescription. We can transfer it to the assistance program. We can do everything for them. They just have to give us the okay. And so we're doing, we, we do the synchronization, the chronic meds is our base business, but we're able to manage everything and get extra savings through international pharmacies and through assistance programs as well. Right now we charge 25% of savings. That's our, that's our charging model. Come in and say, let me look at your data. This is what you're spending now. This is what we believe we can save you. And uh, we charge 25% of that savings. So we is such a cerebral word, like who is, how have you staffed both Good Shepherd and, uh, and Halo at this point? Are you oversight on both? Have you been able to replace yourself at one? How have you done that? Yeah, I hired a pharmacist for Good Shepherd last December 1st. Okay. 
and um, and she's still learning. She's learning the batch system, which um, oh, she learned everything. Like, we do nothing like a normal pharmacy <laughs> at all. So uh, she started in December. She saw her first batch in January, and now we're, she's seeing her second batch this month and going through that. Um, so I'm working with her, and then I'm the the pharmacist on the books for Halo Scripts. Halo Scripts doesn't fill prescriptions; it outsources them through fulfillment facilities. Got it. Yeah. Is she pretty excited by the model after she gets over the initial confusion? She's yeah. She's a very good friend. She's the best pharmacist I know, and I know she'll. She feels a little overwhelmed <laughs> currently. That's she's awesome. telling me and honest with me. It's a just lot. Just keep talking in that more. same voice, Phil, and she'll be just fine. <laughs> uh, he'll get her through the whole thing. Yeah. What um? Now, so I feel like maybe we should send all of your pharmacists through boot camp first. Yeah. And then we'll send them straight to you. I think we got a killer combination. I'll meet him out at San Diego MCRD. Hey, you probably went East Coast though, huh? You were Paris Island. Paris Island. Yeah. It's okay. 94. I, you're still a Marine, I guess. You met Jesus. Uh, you launched a not-for-profit, right? A non-profit. Um, and now you are in the for-profit world. Mm -hmm. I'm in both. Uh, yeah, what are, your what are your goals with Halo? Uh, personal, professional? With Halo, we're providing a, a pharmacy service that never existed before. The group synchronization really is a clinical pharmacy service. It's hard to keep those prescriptions on the same schedule. Um, and so I hope Halo Scripts will get recognized for, for that as a service, not just for cheap drugs. You know what I mean? To, to build on that is where I hope to, to start. From there, like the ecosystem, the world, telemedicine is off and running. Like I think it's the wild west on what we could do next. Um, most people don't know this, but a pharmacist can work under a physician, just like a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant does, writing prescriptions, changing prescriptions, um, that, that could happen. And when you think of telemedicine and patient population management, that starts to make a lot of sense. So let me illustrate what I just said. So I foresee like my pharmacy with my 5,000 patients that are all synchronized, the routine stuff, the cholesterol meds, the blood pressure meds, the adjustments and doses and stuff like that. A pharmacist can make those changes to those prescriptions without having to bring in a doctor every single time. There could be protocols that allow us to do the routine stuff. And then anything out of the protocol, they need to see the doctor. Of course, they see the doctor right away. But otherwise, they're gonna, the doctor's just gonna follow up once a quarter. The pharmacist will follow up with the patient once a month. The doctor follows up once a quarter. Um, I see that as a scalable using an app or you know a telephone service, really, really quite scalable. And I haven't seen anybody trying it yet using pharmacists in that way. Um, for Good Shepherd, I wanna, uh, the nonprofit is, uh, I just wanna help as many people as we possibly can. It's uh, COVID left a lot of people without insurance and the need is just, it's great. And so the, um, my hope is that 
the membership fees made through Good Shepherd Nonprofit would be enough to financially sustain it completely with 100% fund operations, but that has not been the case yet. Uh, the membership fees fund about 60% of the costs and donations and grants have had to make up the difference. If we could help more people, then I believe we could get over the hump. Um, but that's where I hope Good Shepherd lands. The financially self-sustainable nonprofit charity pharmacy that works through a membership model. Um, I have a couple other projects as well that are related but different. Remedy Chain is a, is a company that's working on recycling medicines uh, through prescription donations, legally making prescription donations of unused medicines. Um, and a prescription delivery app company that, that I'm working on as well. And, and so I have dis different aspirations for those, but the, the Halo scripts and the Good, Good Shepherd ones, that's, that's kind of where I hope they land today. But again, it's every day it's come in and do the most important thing. And I'm trying to also, at the same time, try not to put it in a box, I guess is what I mean. Like it's gonna be, Halo Scripts is gonna be what it's gonna be. The market's gonna dictate that, opportunities will dictate. Um, I, I see what I, I hope it'll be, but I'm open to, definitely open to change. Do you think um, in general, if, if you were talking to a guy uh, transitioning out of the military, would you encourage them to go to pharmacy school? And if so, no, what's no, the no, first, no. most important thing to do? Um, the, you know, that, I would not recommend pharmacy school right now. Pharmacy schools, are, it's, the ecosystem is all jacked up. Within the last 10 years, more probably within the last 20, like the number of pharmacy schools quadrupled and the class sizes quadrupled. So we have tons, and with that, the tuitions have more than quadrupled. The tuitions are outrageously high um, so that you get out of school with a ton of debt and it's not that easy to get a job anymore. Um, and which is not what a lot of people will tell you, but it's, it's what I'm seeing. Uh, so I wouldn't recommend pharmacy school, but uh, I would, if I had to pick an industry, healthcare is definitely where I'd be, be interested in the health benefits space has been, I've been learning it the last few years mm -hmm. is, is there's just so much innovation going on there. Um, blockchain, uh, I would learn blockchain development. I'd recommend that for somebody who really doesn't know what to do. If you, if you're te technologically inclined, go learn some blockchain development. You can make 125 grand a year. It won't always be that way, but it's a huge opportunity right now. Um, and yeah, and that's it. And then, you know, honestly, like just all of that underlying all that with like be seeking the Lord and in, in what he would have you do, um, which is, you know, it's funny because when you're doing that, you're usually getting to do what you want to do most. <laughs> anyway, whatever you interest you most. He, for me, like with the call for Good Shepherd, and I was really burdened to know, like things are going really good for me. I had my second wife, we had a family started. I couldn't, I had a great job. I was in very comfortable neighborhood. Things were pretty much all of my aspirations for myself were met. <laughs> and that had me praying like, well, do I just, okay, live out the next 50 years and die then? Like, what, what does this mean? Am I doing what the Lord would have me do? And so I was burdened. I was really, I prayed and I fasted and um, it went on for more than a month. 
to, to just for the Lord to reveal what he would have me do. And when he did, he said, I want you to do this favorite part of your job, the part where you talk to people and you sit down and you connect with them to do that as a ministry. I want you to do, just focus on that. You're, you're the top 1% of what you do that you like the best. And that was Good Shepherd. And that was, you know, and it snowballed, of course, from, from there. But it still has never one day felt like work. It's always, it's just what I get to do. <laughs> so uh, any any career shift, I would be meditating highly on, on what the Lord would have you do and, and have some direction there. Market-wise, healthcare benefits, I'm seeing tons of opportunity in those spaces. Um, and then oddly enough, blockchain is a, a space that's really booming too. Your story specifically, is interesting because it fits into a narrative that a lot of guys that I worked with when I was at the Wounded Warrior Regiment fell into where they got medically separated from the Marine Corps at two years. Maybe they only spent a year in the Marine Corps their entire career. It was everything they wanted in life. Um, and then it was taken away from them. Um, what advice do you have for those guys? I think it's powerful to see that it, it kind of happened to you in a completely different situation, right? Um, but just what you were able to do and build off of that. And, and if you ever have parts of you that just feels like you were, you're, you know, I've heard people say this and that's not what I'm saying about you at all, but like faking your Marine Corps career, like what could you tell folks that, that have problems with that? Man, I can tell you my personal experience with that. And it's a great segue to, to where we're at today has been that like no one I, I tell you I don't get to tell my Marine Corps story because of what happened with me and the way it played out and ending up in the inactive reserves I never felt like I was a real Marine so I was you know I was an E3 um, when all that happened I was E3 right up because of the delayed entry program and everything and so to say I was and then also to say I was in the Marine Corps and I was an E3 I only achieved the rank of E3 kind of sounds weird too um but I just never felt like I earned it. And so I never, I never promoted myself as a Marine. I never wore Marine Corps t-shirts. Um, I didn't count myself as a veteran many times when I could have, like, I just didn't own it. Um, it made me feel like I didn't, I hadn't earned it. And that only recently has changed for me where, um, it's, I've come back around to it and it's like, it all counts, man. And it wasn't just the time, you know, that what I beat myself up because I was on active duty for less than two years was essentially my, my whole career. Um, but the, 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 the effects have been lifelong, you know, so it's weird for me. Like I get, it's, I, that's, that's my honest experience. It's been most of my life. It's only within the last couple of years my, my sons are coming up and having questions and um, <laughs> sound cheesy. I got a Marine Corps hat and some t-shirts. Like I'm proud of it. I'm very proud of it. And I'm not, and I, and I'm owning it. And, and so that's, that's been my experience, but only, only recently have I come back around to it. That's awesome. I, uh, I'll, I'm, I'll sit here and tell you from this Gunny's opinion, like if you didn't hear the first part of this interview and hear like your story that you got it at two years, the way you attack things, the way you talk about things, like it's 100% Marine Corps. And I think it's powerful for guys to see 
that that short time, you're a Marine forever. It's not it's not just something that ends ends once you get out. So I think that's really powerful, man. And you have something that most civilians don't have, even if all you ever did was basic training, mm-hmm. right? You have that. You said you came out with confidence. So did I. The majority of my life changed because of the Marine Corps and boot camp. Mm-hmm. I agree. I just sometimes I feel like I've taken more from the Marine Corps than it's than I've given it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's sometimes what we are left with, no matter who you are. I mean, I'm just a reservist, you know. I, I could say the same thing you have, though. So. That is a cool story. Not super cool. So you have a lot of number ones on that list. And we really appreciate that you made the time to make us a number one for a few minutes, my, my man. Um, what is, I mean, we can leave it at this. What's the best way to get a hold of you? If people hear things that they like, that they want to collaborate with you on, or just have questions, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Best way to get me is my email. And that is phil, P-H-I-L, at goodsheppehealth.com. Um, it's good Shep like Shepherd S H E P H E A L T H dot com. That's my uh, my main email, and I read them all. So cool, cool. I appreciate it, my man. And uh, I'm writing a book called uh, "Healthcare Is a Racket." Uh, calling the Marines, and uh, I think after today you get turned a chapter, my friend. So it'll be, <laughs> right. it'll be a good spot. Awesome. I look forward to that. <laughs>